Sten Morgan here. I hope you're doing well. I want to announce that we are launching the How to Be an Elite Advisor course. We are combining all of our best teachings and ideas into a course that you can complete in less than a week. I want to share with you the best ideas that I implement within my practice that have helped me achieve more than I ever thought possible. I want to share how I have unique meetings with clients. What's the mindset of an elite advisor? How do you prospect in a way that'll separate you from other advisors? At the Elite Advisor Network, we reject average. I want to help you see what your full potential is and reach it faster. Set time aside this week to take the course. Click on the link or go visit gobeelite.com. I'll talk to you soon. Dave, man, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we were just unpacking your recent move, which is a big deal to move a family to another state. So uh, it's the last month and a half been? It's been uh, more stress than we were anticipating, but the blessing about finally being in the home and enjoying the view, it's just been awesome. So, Nice. Yeah, it's a good background. You mentioned your wife uh, is your designer. Oh, man, she's phenomenal. Like Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? I have no skill set that Chip would have, but I believe Jennifer... My wife is uh, is even better than Joanna, and that's saying a lot because Joanna's pretty good, but she's she's pretty awesome. So, oh man, I'm glad it went well. Um, and I'm excited you're here. I think we we have guests in the past, advisors and uh, kind of leadership within the industry, but something I think is unique, and I've experienced this as I've started to coach and speak to a lot of advisors. There's a, there's a unique there's a unique perspective to being exposed to a large cross section of advisors. And I want to lean in that today with you because you you coach and speak to financial advisors. But practically, I want to jump into one of your core teachings is how do you identify the people you serve best? And probably from a business standpoint, are the most profitable as well, you know, our top 20%. And then how do you get more of them? And yeah. so let's kind of start high level, kind of how you got into what you're doing. And then let's dive into what are your principles there? And we'll try to get as practical as we can for the folks listening on what do they do different tomorrow? to accomplish that. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I'll give you the short story of how I got into the coaching and, and development world. I mean, I was with two major Fortune 500 financial planning firms as an employee for a, the first decade of my career. Loved it. And uh, I, I kind of one of those stories of failing forward, right? It was, I, I wasn't going to get all the promotions that I wanted. So eventually we just launched our company full-time and started as a side hustle back in 2011. And then uh, launched it full time a number of years ago. So, you know, when I think about how do I go about and encourage clients to go about focusing more on their best relationships, that the first thing and the genius is the simplicity of this. You got to know who your best clients are, right? So, as an example, in my business, you know, this year we will do, you know, we'll finish up the year fiscal year on December thirty first. We'll do about one hundred and fifty ish transactions, right? Or if I'm working with an advisor, like policies, right? Or accounts. And I'll do that on somewhere around 60 to 80 paying entities, right? So there are about 60 to 80 clients that do 150-ish transactions with us. So if there's 80, I'm going to look at what are my top 20%. So if there's 80 clients, there's 16 people that represent the top 20% numerically, and what percentage of our revenue, and I just look at revenue, comes from those relationships. And I do that every year. And when I look at it, you typically in my business, two-thirds of our total revenue comes from the 20% of those paying entities. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a simple reason to focus more on them. And then there's this whole process, and we'll dig into it, around what are the things that contributed 
to me, successfully engaging in the relationship with that client and, and retaining that client and then growing that client and also obtaining more clients like them. So yeah, first you just, you just got to know who they are. Yeah. I think the 80, 20, every time I've looked at my book of business or any company I've worked with, uh, it's, it's usually never 20% creates 80%, but it is like 60 to 70. It's still, those are the people that if you can serve efficiently are the most profitable. Yeah. And as we work with advisors, we do a lot of coaching on it's, it's impact. It doesn't have to be time does not equal impact that a lot of what we talk about with, with our advisors is, can you deliver massive value with extreme efficiency? Because if I was working with Dave and, and Dave got the same outcome, but it took me 30 minutes instead of 10 hours, does Dave really care? No. no. Yeah. So how, so how's business owners, can we get more efficient in that? And I, at the end of the day, can we just work with the right people instead of everyone? Yeah. I feel like the industry tells us to do a lot of average stuff, just more activity, call a bunch of people. And if you do that for 10 years, maybe you then earn the, the right to pick your clients. Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing you talk is like, you don't have to wait that long to actually be selective. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can be selective from day one and you can identify who do I really appreciate investing time with right now. You, you do need to earn the financial independence and ability to stay open for business. Right. So that does take some critical mass. Um, you know, that's, that said, you know, you think about who are your best clients, right? In, in the approach that I'll take just numerically, it's going to be based on revenue. But most advisors, when you ask them, hey, who are your favorite client relationships or who are your best client relationships? I find, and this is true in my life too, it's not always the people that I make the most revenue off of. It's the people that I just, I value the conversation. They leave me feeling uplifted. They're constantly endorsing me to other people. They're people who I just, I walk away from the time invested with them saying, I, man, I can't wait till the next time we get together. And I don't care if that relationship generates a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand. It's how do I feel about the interaction? So. Nice. No, yeah, I appreciate that. I think there's an awareness there of realizing the impact it has on you emotionally, you know, where you're just like, if you go into a day and you look at your calendar, you know, advisors that are listening, you've probably had these days where you're like, I have six meetings today and four of them I'm dreading and I'll get through it and it'll be fine. But like the toll that that can take, um, business owner, I know there I've gone as far as, you know, what's the line of firing clients. And to the point to where, you know, younger Sten might've said, man, you could put up with that. And I'm like, my team shouldn't, and I shouldn't. Right. So as we think about this practically, step-by-step, step, I heard you say kind of avatar, like we need, you need to know who your ideal client is. Yep. Maybe that doesn't mean you say, I work with dentists between the ages of 30 and 40 that live in this city. You know, you don't have to get that specific, but as you coach advisors, what's, what's step one, step two, and, and how would somebody go about practically yeah. starting to think this way? Yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, every client's going to be a bit different because some of them are focused on their wealth management practice, which is the majority, right? They're focusing on fee for a plan planning, assets under management, stewarding well resources that their client has. Many of my clients are also in the insurance risk management world. So they've got a block of business that they want to help people there. So I would just say whatever the the business line is that you're looking at. It could be total revenue generated from that client relationship, or it can be specific into the one niche of your you know, revenue segmentation that you want to focus on. 
I would have them put together a list of who are my 20%. Now, it could be 20% out of all their clients, but that can be a feat to do because you know, they might have 300 clients and now I got to identify 60 relationships. So I'll generally encourage, let's take a look just at this current 2023 calendar year. Let's say you brought in 50 client relationships. Of those 50, let's take a look at who were the 10 just in terms of revenue. So set aside, and I do this for myself as well, I set aside how I feel about the relationship and how much I love the interaction. And I'm just looking at pure profitability. So who are the 10 clients that had generated the greatest amount of revenue? And then I want to ask three or four questions. The first one is, how did I generate the relationship with that person initially, right? Was it someone that I was introduced to by a human being? Was it someone that had attended a, an event that I spoke at or a seminar that I gave? Is it someone that I cold called, which you know many clients are still choosing to reach out because you can just generate great relationships? Is it someone that was uh, a LinkedIn or an Instagram or a Facebook relationship? What was the initial source of that interaction? And then the next question is, what did I do to giftology that source, right? So very common is, you know, Sten and I meet from so-and-so. I'll say Joe Smith. So if Joe Smith introduced me to Sten, I want to ask myself, what did I do to show appreciation to Joe Smith, right? If Joe Smith introduced me, referred me to one of my top client relationships, did I do anything to giftology him? And the reason I ask, what did I do to giftology is, you know, you're, you're probably super familiar with John Rule and his book, Giftology. Yeah, I read that book, I think, for the first time back in 2019. And I've read it a couple of times since. I mean, that book that year was my number one read and made the most significant impact to our client development. Because his point in the book, and there's a, there's a lot to it, his point is to take 10% of the value of a relationship, the financial value of a relationship, current or potential value, and reinvest that back into the relationship through a series of gifting, right? Now, whether it's gifting or marketing or whatever, I would view it as appreciation. What am I doing to show Joe appreciation? And sometimes it's as simple as, did I even write him a message to let him know, hey, brother, thanks for the introduction to Sten. We had a great relationship. We did decide to do some work together. Did I send a handwritten note? Other times it's, what did I do to show his inner circle that I appreciate them, right? So did I do anything for him, for his family, for his team? And it's not just sending a gift card or some type of kickback. It's yep. what did I do? show them at a personal level that I appreciate not just the referral to Sten. It's not contingent on Sten doing business. It's the fact that you've just been a phenomenal advocate of ours for so long. And I just want you to know, I appreciate our relationship completely detached from any outcome that comes from anything that you ever do for us. I appreciate who you are, not what you do for me. So yeah. I asked, what did a giftology, the nominator, right? The person that made the connection but then also, what did I do to show appreciation to the client? So how did I invest in the relationship with Sten to show you, not only do I appreciate the trust and confidence you put in me to work with me, but far more than that, what did I do to show you I appreciate you at a human level, your significant other, your team? So those are, those are two of the starting questions. 
That's powerful. I think um, that intimidated me in the past. I remember when I first read that book as an advisor, I kind of made some internal excuses on like, oh, well, we have limitations on what we can spend on people. Um, because I knew it required some intentionality. I had the desire and I'm sure every advisor listening right now is like, of course, I'd like to do that, but maybe I'm too busy. Um, I, I don't have the capacity to sit down and, and think about that stuff. So I know for me, this, this eventually became a who, not how thing, which we're really big on is that Sten naturally is not the gifty type. Like I don't sit there and think about creative stuff. If I had to, I probably could, but I asked for somebody on the team to help with that, that enjoyed that piece of it. They had kind of that hospitality wiring. And so thank you cards have picked up um, little appreciations. We now track uh, anniversaries and holidays better for people. And so if you're listening and, and this feels like that just feels like a feat and, and, that, and that's hard, there is a version of this. And Dave said, even a thank you note that's handwritten could take five minutes. And so right. all of us tomorrow should probably level up when it comes to our appreciation, recognition, communication to new clients, but also, hey, how did we meet those people? So as you're listening, kind of write that down as a potential challenge for yourself. Um, and the other thing I'll say while, while Dave was talking about is segment your book of business tomorrow. Like Dave does this all the time. I think you do quarterly strategy meetings for yourself. Like I see your posts, like this is very intentional for you. You have to know who your people are and update that frequently on, are the things I'm doing right? Am I getting the right people on board? And for the advisors we coach at the Lead Advisor Network, like you do not get to level up as an advisor within our program unless you have a segmented book of business. Like that, that is just a business owner thing to do. So, so as I heard you talk, that feels like an early thing you need to do in order to do the rest of this well. Yeah, for sure. And it, I'll, I'll piggyback on what you just said, right? I really believe the best investment that you can make on a budget is a book of stamps, right? So the handwritten notes certainly helpful. And I know this interview will get kind of launched out there in the world at some point in the next couple of weeks and months, but you know, we're recording this the week before Thanksgiving, right? So next Tuesday, I have an entire day blocked off. And this is like the least expensive way that you can show people appreciation. I'll go to a place that inspires me. It's going to be a new place because we just moved up to South Carolina. But all I do is I make a list of all the people that I want to show genuine appreciation to. And I just take my phone out and I record a selfie video and it's going to be less than like 59 seconds. I mean, usually there are 30 to 45 second videos, but I'm going to look the camera in the eye as if I'm talking to Sten and I'm just going to say, hey, Sten, bro, just wanted to tell you how grateful I am. And then I'm going to speak specifically to you. It's not a general message that I'm sending one message to 100 people. It's this is what I appreciate about you, who you are, and in the spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving, I wanted you to know. And then I'll just text it to him, right? And I know some advisors are limited in their thought about, I can't text. Well, all right, like then email a link to it and say, hey, I recorded a 45-second video specifically for you, but I want you to know how much I value you and our relationship. That's a great way to show appreciation. You think well. that people feel, um, I bet some people feel uncomfortable getting that because that's unusual. It's different, right? Because when you open up your text message and you see a, a face of somebody you know in a video, it's just different. But that's the pop, right? You want to stand out, be a little bit unique. But, you know, it, my clients love it. It oh, Everybody loves it, but it's just unusual. Yeah. It's unusual. But then there's a few people that, you know what, they'll they'll pull their phone out. They'll record a video, send it right back. And it's, it's you're going to stand out and be top of mind for people when you do things like that because it's just not the normal Oh, yeah. Right. So, all right. So, so advisors are segmenting their book of business. Yep. We all would agree that we want more of the better people. 
Um, profit obviously matters. We're all business owners, but enjoyment of the relationship should be a factor. I'd say if somebody's you know in your top twenty, but somehow uses you know half of your emotional energy. Yeah, right. as a business owner, think about that. Your emotional impact, mind space, that should be a factor of it. So they segment the book of business. They have an idea of their avatar. They look at the people they've recently received, where they came from, an intentional plan on how you're recognizing that. Yeah. What's kind of the next step? We, we always think about average versus elite. Average advisors aren't probably doing any of this. They're, hey, if, if somebody has a pulse, I'll work with you. I'm going to sell you stuff and I'm going to do this as much as I can and eventually have enough income. I'll look back at my book of business cut half of it off because I realized I don't want them anymore. And then maybe I'll just keep doing that. Yeah. Lead advisor is more selective, more intentional. So what's the elite next step for an advisor when it comes to kind of leveling the side up? Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, Da Vinci said that the, that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, right? So as simple as this next step is, I look at those top 20% and I ask myself subjectively, what do I feel most greatly contributed to the successful engagement of that relationship, right? So if I look at a, a client relationship and I ask, well, what, what most greatly contributed to me successfully winning that business or earning that trust and them onboarding as a client or doing additional business? Because some of your top 20% are not going to be new relationships. It's going to be an existing client that had the inheritance finally come in or the liquidity event from a sale of a company or you know, just revenue popped this year for whatever reason, and they did a massive amount of business with you. But when I look at what most greatly contributed to the success of the business, I'm finding the reasons behind the result, right? So a lot of times for me, those things are, I built deep relationship, meaningful relationship over a meal with their significant other and their family. Another thing that contributes to my success in client relationships is I wasn't just introduced to them by one individual. I had multiple people advocate on my behalf to that one client relationship. Other times it's, you know, I've spent time at their children's sporting events so they know not only do I care about them, I care about the people that they care most about. And when you look at you know, let's say it was 50 clients that you brought in. So there's 10 relationships that are, that are your top 20%. You're going to see themes, right? Those top 10 people, there are a few things that contribute to me winning those relationships. Those themes are what you build into your, whether you're doing a 12-week year period plan for Q1 of next year, or you're doing, you know, an entire annual plan for 2024. You look for ways to, to incorporate more of that into the practice. So what can I do to invest time with you know, the client and their family over a meal? What are ways that I can influence more people advocating on my behalf to, to future client relationships? And that's where you build your tactics out. Nice. When I've learned about myself that I, I need accountability, I need to put things out there and have people check in on it. Yep. You have a natural kind of will, like I can just push through and make things happen, but it is more draining. A lot of these things don't fill me up. Like put me in a, a conference room with a client, closing business, building a plan. Like, can I just do that? The the downside is we just can't do that because we need to go get clients. Sure. So, as, as For those listening, I want you guys to think through, okay, I, I know I need to get uncomfortable and this may be making you uncomfortable. 
take note of the fact that if part of you is trying to convince yourself not to do this because it's not necessary or I have a different way, this is necessary. All the top advisors I talk to have some process to do what you're talking about. Yeah. A lot of them are outsourcing some of it, but they still have to be involved in it. You can't completely, you know, the abdicate. Like this would be so hard to completely give away, but you could have somebody on your team have the card sitting there ready for you and they did the addresses and all you'd have to do is write a quick note. Um, you could have somebody set up the, the camera and say, hey, it's time to film and they take it for you. So what what are the ways? I would speak directly and say the question is not should you do this? It's if you want to be an elite advisor, how do you figure out a way to do this? And I know for myself, a lot of times it has to involve a system, maybe some technology or other people, because if just left to myself, I will call some prospects randomly. You know, I will just, I will revert to average if something's not pushing me out of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you find with the advisors you coach around this? Cause I'm sure like many great coaches and speakers, it would be awesome if a hundred percent of the people you spoke to listened, <laughs> but I'm sure you're like, I keep saying the same thing, but there's always the few that grab it and do it. And it might take longer to convince. And then there's those that will just hold true to what they are comfortable with. Yeah. What's that like around this topic? Yeah. I mean, mo the vast majority, right? There's 20% of people that are going to run with it. 20% of people that you're going to say, that's just dog crap. And I'm not even going to think more about it. And then the 60% of the people in the middle that say, sounds like a neat idea. Maybe I'll circle back with that. And then maybe they do, maybe they don't. Most people's mindset around this is I I'm not able to do that because of all the things that limit me, whether it be in the compliance department or whatever. And that's a legitimate thought, right? So it, there's two things I would say to that. Number one is you can always do charitable contributions and those always fly through compliance. So do you know what charitable organizations your best relationships are most passionate about? And heck, why don't you just make a contribution on behalf of that, that individual, right? And you could do it in honor of or in memory of whatever that looks like. So, you know, that's one of just my gifts. I love being generous. I like actually earning revenue so we can give revenue out. So I'll look for ways to be charitable on behalf of a client and let them know, hey, I just wanted you to know that we did this on your behalf. The second thing is, yeah, I reached out to John Rule and a number, thankfully we've become friends and he's just an awesome dude. And I asked him, I said, you know, some of the things that you're talking about, Every client of mine is going to say, I can't give more than X amount. So how do you get around that when you're talking about doing things that could be thousands of dollars? Mm -hmm. And here's the reality, right? I might have limitations on what I'm able to do. Mm -hmm. But if John is a consultant, there's no limit on how much I can pay a consultant mm -hmm. as a coach or as an outside consultant. So I can just pay John a fee, and I, this isn't a promotion of John, although I think he's worthy of promotion. I can pay someone to be my coach or to be a consultant, and then their company can do any of the marketing on my behalf. And that's just a it's a, just a float between. So I'd certainly be cautious with that, but that's an easy way to say that's how top advisors do it. It's not them actually doing it. They're not giving a maximum value gift. Yeah. They're giving a a really good comp to a consultant and then that consultant's doing the gifting on their behalf. Yeah, no, that's a great who not how. The um a great book I read this year. Have you read Unreasonable Hospitality yet? No, no. Oh man, add that to your list. Um yeah, I finished that a few months ago. 
And what's cool about it is it was a peak behind the restaurant industry, which I haven't spent a lot of time in, but it's fascinating that like people join a, a business and an industry and their whole life is spent serving others, probably not always getting you know appreciated fully for it. But within unreasonable hospitality is like, it doesn't always mean expensive, right? Like creative can make an impact. And so I, I would challenge advisors that if the limiting belief is I have a limit on how much I can spend, okay, we'll work within that limitation to to make an impact, to make a connection. And from a business standpoint, like, you know, I appreciate your heart about giving, you know, legacy gives a percentage of our profits away and we communicate to our clients what those profits did and the impact it made. And people love that. But as a business owner, there's no mission without margin. Like you run a great business, yeah. be profitable. You you probably aren't spending a lot on your, you know, C-level clients, D-level clients. Like you are reserving this for people that, that know people that you want to work with. Uh, most advisors would say they have a heart to serve or in this business. They want to be generous, but put, put the business owner hat on and say, okay, who are the people I want to work with more of? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's what I hear you saying is if you, if you have a limited time, which we all do, are you spending it well getting the right people or are you generally going out there and hoping the stars align and you get more of those people? Exactly right. Yeah. Brother, this is good, man. Um, I know, I know you're constantly creating content and you're in front of a lot of advisors. And so we'll need to have you back on because you have a unique perspective on um, it. All of us advisors can feel like we're alone and we're struggling with the same, uh, with uh, unique problems. I'm sure you've realized over time, we're all frustrated with the same stuff. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing. Uh, and, and there's a lot we can learn from you, man. Appreciate it.